Welcome to the Empower to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host. And today on the show, ETC training team member Jesse Ferris joins us along with Tana Ottinger to talk about how to build predictability, especially amongst a time, uh, which right now is the time of us recording this. It is summertime, uh, and kids are on uh, summer break from school. You might have uh, kids who are homeschooled, but they also are you know, maybe taking a little bit of a break as well. Uh, or you might just be in the regular swing of things and your kids are struggling for um, control of the schedule. And so what you've got to try to figure out as a parent or a caregiver is how do I uh, help them to know what they need to know, help them to feel safe, uh, while also not having to become someone who uh, schedules down to the millisecond of every day. So we've got you covered today. We're going to talk about uh, some of the overarching principles of why this is important to do, why it's important to build predictability for our kids, and what may be causing that need for um, schedule knowledge of every uh, every facet of your day uh, coming from your kids. We're also going to talk about just the nitty-gritty of practical, uh, practical tips, tricks, um, suggestions, just ways that you can do this without having to become, again, a nano second scheduler. And so Jesse's got some great, uh, great advice, great suggestions, as does Tana. Um, and uh, I will hand up, admit, I am not the scheduler in our family, not somebody who who thinks well in schedules, but uh, I've uh, definitely had to adapt in that as well. So we'll all share kind of our own stories um, as we talk about uh, how to build predictability for our kids today on the ETC podcast. All right, well, as we said in the opening, uh, today, Jesse Ferris and Tana Ottinger and I from ETC, we are all here today uh, to talk about predictability and uh, something that for a lot of us, we are feeling desperately right now the need for, which is schedules and routines and predictability for our kids. So uh, guys, uh, not that this is an issue for any of us because our kids are all like loving summer and perfectly behaving and, and they're, um, they're doing great with all of the unstructured time. Uh, but for everyone else who might be struggling with this, we wanted to talk today about, um, about the predictability piece. We, we talked last week, obviously, about Dr. Purvis um, and her video on manipulation and control. That's one of the main components, she says, uh, that can help curb that um, desire that need for manipulation and control within kids and give them healthy control of their, of their areas. So uh, thank you all for being here. And also, uh, why don't we get started? Tana, do you want to kind of set this conversation up a little bit more? Yeah, I, it's funny that we're talking about this today because I have found myself just the last week or so needing to put some structure in place. And so, you know, around here at ETC, if you've been around a while, we talk an awful lot and rightly so about the need to provide nurture to our kiddos and how nurture creates an environment for trust to grow and for attachment yeah. and connection. Um, and it's really, really important. Um, but sometimes we need to sort of slow down and talk about the the benefit and gift of structure and predictability yeah. to our kids as well. So it's not balance. It's not structure or nurture. It's a balance of both structure and nurture. And so when those externalizing things are out of whack, so like we can think about summer when the rhythm of school, you know, no matter what that might look like for your kids, you know, any, any externalizing structure like school, when it's removed, then as parents and caregivers, 
we can find things sort of feeling out of control if we don't initiate sort of putting in some external structure for our kids because they need structure as much as they need nurture. So we talk about how nurture helps our kids trust and structure helps them grow. And so there's just a lot of benefits to talking about structure and predictability. I'm thinking especially in the morning meetings that our kids, a lot of our kids in school uh, participate in. You know, you think at the beginning of most kids' school day, their teacher lays out what they're Mm -hmm. doing that day in school, and there's a rhythm to that school day. So especially when you talk about summer or Christmas break or spring break, fall break, all of those times when they're Mm -hmm. out of that type of structure um, or even coming back into it, but any kind of transition like that, they're, they're kind of floundering. They're looking for that predictability in their day. Mm-hmm. Well, and we are too. <laughs> I mean, we, we've got more reps at it now, so we kind of have a, a place to understand how to structure that free time. But, you know, I don't do well with multiple days of, of no structure unless the, the structure is to have no structure for that, right? So like vacation, I can handle, I love it because we are making the concerted effort and decision to be away and have no structure and, you know, relax and all that. If, if I have a Saturday where I've got some ideas of what I want to do and my wife has different ideas of what she wants to do and the kids have, and none of us communicate it, then all of a sudden, like, you know, everybody's out of whack from the jump just because we didn't, we didn't communicate and set in place something to be able to get all of us what we need, you know? And I think you're pulling out this idea that we all, there's different personalities within our family. So yeah. you or someone in your family may have a pretty loose you know, a low need for scheduling and the, the desire to know what's coming up next. But you also may have someone in the family that really deeply, deeply needs that predictability, the knowledge of what's ahead. They don't like to be surprised. They like to mm-hmm. have that type of control over their environment. And in our family, we do have some people in our family that really, really do desire to know what's coming up next. And mm-hmm. then we've maybe have some people in our family that aren't, as, that's not their top priority. So mm-hmm. you're constantly trying to, to um, meet the needs of the people in, in your family, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that has, that has changed over time as my kids have gotten older. And especially if you have nonverbal kids who need predictability, that right. can be a challenge. So um, it's going to change each year with your family, I think. So Tana, I know that Dr. Purvis talked last week about um, sort of histories that may, um, that may set up a bigger need for this. When you're first starting to have this conversation, do you have, you have any tips for parents who are just starting to notice this and notice this need? And what are, some, what are maybe some first steps or first thoughts that you need to have as you're kind of setting this, this time up? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. If you've got a kid that is reaching for control and and might be using some adaptive strategies, you know, whether that's manipulation or, you know, whatever kind of strategies they may be using based on their history or past experiences to grapple for control, um, I think sometimes the tendency is to sort of pull back and withhold that information from them and sort of um, 
kind of jockey for, I'm in charge, I'm the boss, trust me, I make the decisions, um, right. and, and not share that information. I mean, that I'm not saying that's how all caregivers would be, but there could be some that might tend to sort of overreach their child's need for control by over-controlling themselves, sort of double right. down right. on it. Thinking that if they give that information over, that the kid might become more inflexible or more rigid. Yeah. When actually the exact opposite will happen. If you, so let's say that you've got a, a kid, for example, that, you know, is always asking what's happening tomorrow or what are we doing today or how much longer or what's next. Um, and that, that can be hard as a parent to sort of be nitpicked that way. Or at least let me say this, it can be hard for me sometimes because yeah. left to my own devices, I'm going to be a little bit more like, just kind of do what I want to do when I'm sort of ready to do it. Right. I don't, I, I wouldn't set up that schedule and structure externalizing for myself. I would sort of let myself lead where we go when, when I feel like it. So yeah. when I have a kiddo that's sort of asking me that, then there's a couple of things that could happen inside of me. If I'm super conscientious, I can be like, I don't know yet. I haven't decided, which then makes me maybe feel like I'm not a great parent because I haven't figured the day out yet. (laughs) Or I can feel controlled or I can feel pushed or exhausted or weary or overwhelmed or whatever I might be feeling if I've got a kid that is coming at me sort of needing to come, you know, asking what's next. So I would say, just be mindful of like, what's your need your personal need for structure and predictability, schedules, routines, that kind of thing. How are you naturally wired? And then pay attention to the little cues and signals that your kids might be sending you. And they may not be verbal. They could, as Jesse said, be coming out in behaviors or emotions. So, you know, some kids who have a high level of anxiety that might not even say, hey, can you tell me what we're doing later? They actually need the predictability and the predictability will actually support that anxiety and will help them rest. So I would say be mindful of like, what's going on in you? How are you naturally wired? How are your children communicating to you what they need? And then what are just a few simple things that you can put into place. I don't, especially if it isn't your natural wiring. I don't want parents to sort of listen to this episode and think they have to, you know, do something really fancy or go out and buy a system. I mean, it it just doesn't have to be that complicated. Right. So what are some ways that you can put some real simple structure and schedule into place and see how they respond? Um, I'll give you all just one example. I was I was leaving, uh, Mo and I were both leaving the house the other day and we needed a couple of our older kids to watch our younger two. And, you know, sometimes that can go swimmingly well and sometimes it just isn't great. And I have found that how well it goes versus how many phone calls or text messages I might get while I'm gone (laughs) is directly related to whether or not there is a predetermined schedule for how they need to spend those three or four hours. Yeah. If I can simply take a piece of paper and structure out what needs to happen in like 30-minute chunks of time, everybody involved in that unit can just be like, oh, that's the schedule that we have to use. Everybody knows what to expect. They know what's coming next. And my one child who might struggle the most when I'm gone, I can promise you is the one that's carrying that schedule around. Right. Has it 
taped somewhere and is the one marking it off because that externalized predictability allowed them to chill out when mom was gone and the siblings to have a really good time. So start figuring yourself out would be my number one initial recommendation. Jesse, I'm sure Jesse has some really good insight here too. Well, I love that. And I love um, kind of these examples of what an older kid might do that is really needing that schedule or that structure, that visualized idea of what's next. Um, and they may be asking what's next, but you're exactly right that it may come out in behavior too. So if you're dealing with a ton of meltdowns this summer, I would maybe step mm-hmm. back and ask, does this have anything to do with a lack of structure or a lack of um, communication about our schedule and structure in transitions? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you're finding yourself at Target with meltdowns, leaving the Chick-fil-A play place or the playground with with meltdowns, just everywhere you're going, you're having the meltdowns, it might be that revealing in advance what's happening that day could alleviate some of that. And um, even even kids that have a really, really low threshold for disappointment, if they know that what's disappointing them, having to leave the playground or having to do a chore, is followed by something that they really enjoy, like watching a movie or um, getting to do something they like, that also helps them navigate that co-regulation of their emotions. So we've handled this in lots of different ways in our family um, before our kids were verbal and after they were verbal. And it, and it looks differently, but some ideas might be um, for a kid who does not read or write, we, I have made little index cards with pictures on them. And you could, you could copy and paste and print these out. I mean, I tend to overcomplicate something because I love structure, y'all. So um, Tana can pull me back and be like, and you don't have to get fancy like this. You could just draw this on a, on a Post-it. And I've done that before too. Um, but to draw a picture of a toothbrush, to draw a picture of, you know, a dinner plate that um, if you've got kids with, uh, that have ever experienced scarcity with food, They may just be worried about when they're going to get to eat that day. And so to see that little plate with the fork picture, you know, three, six times on on that little schedule might just give their heart so much peace, you know, like there's six times I'm going to get to eat today. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I think for those of you that are like, oh, no, no, I can't schedule this out with like, when I'm going to go to the zoo and what day we're going to go to the children's museum, you, you can make that general. It could be like a picture about something fun. It could be a smiley face. And anytime you have a smiley face, it's something that that kid knows that they enjoy doing with you. Um, so it doesn't have to be as specific as you're thinking. I've done this. Um, we used to do it when my, one of my children was very young, we would put, we put a Velcro strip on the front of her bedroom door and we had, um, and we put Velcro in the back of those index cards and she and I, as part of her bedtime routine would go through and put the schedule for the next day. And she would get to help choose, which again, shares power, which will help with some of that control and it's giving predictability. Yeah. So, um, we would go through including who would do the bedtime the next day, because we found that that was a struggle just finding out which parent was doing bedtime could could make this kid spin out. 
So um, even having, you know, the picture of daddy next to bedtime, like, okay, tomorrow daddy's doing my bedtime, just raised that predictability level so much. And she could go to the door when she woke up and see what was happening that day, when she would get to eat that day, when something fun was happening, maybe the thing she likes the least, you know, taking a bath or brushing her teeth. She would know when that's happening during the day. Jesse, I have a question for you. So did you feel like, sort of to heart back to what I was mentioning, with giving that level of structure, because that's pretty detailed, you know, yes, how, yeah. how did that help them become more flexible? Like, how did you handle when something had to change or when the schedule, you know, got disrupted? That's a How'd great that question. And, you know, I have another kiddo that doesn't need that level of detail. And so we've gotten to pull back as... Um, as we've grown together in our family. Um, but I would say when you've got something unpredictable coming up, because we know that can that can be really hard for our kids who are expecting something. I mean, that's hard for me, y'all. I, I went to a restaurant a couple of weeks ago and was expecting to eat outside in like one of these cool little like bubble house things. And I, I had been like waiting all during quarantine to do this. I just thought it was so cool. And I was like, now's our chance. I've made the reservation. And they're like, oh, we're not doing those anymore. And I sat for like the first five minutes of, of the dinner at, on a date with my husband. And I was like kind of spinning out a little bit. Like, I really wanted to do this. I feel so disappointed. I felt like, you know, the way probably my kids do when I yank mm-hmm. something out from their schedule. Um, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get to the pool and it's closed. Or sometimes, you know, you you made the plans to do something and you've got to switch it. So um, we've handled this a couple of different ways. Um, one of my favorites when my kids were needing this was a wild card. So we would, um, I would let that kid carry the wild card or have it on their schedule somewhere. It could be a post-it, it could be an index card, whatever you want it to be. It could be a sticker. And um, when something unpredictable happens, we would say, oh, we get to use our wild card. And it was just permission to be flexible, really was all it was. But you would um, you would give the kid that prompt, like, oh, let's use our wild card. Something's going to have to change. And it was just kind of scaffolding that skill of being flexible within your schedule. Yeah. I mean, I, I love so much just the gift of what of how you externalize that schedule and what all that does in terms of providing support to kids. I mean, I think there's something really important about visualizing it externally, not only in helping calm down anxiety and allowing them to rest and see what's coming up next and providing that predictability, but there's also the gift of helping their executive function, like with time management and transitions and externalizing some of that control. Like it's not, you know, mom or dad or, you know, auntie controlling me. The schedule is telling me what to do next. So I think it would be interesting to sort of talk about each one of those things. Like how, how did you feel like, you know, the schedule um, helped them or even you with time management or, you know, transitions well, I'm not great at time management. Every single person in my family would tell you that. In fact, I was trying to get out the door this morning and my my oldest child was like, mom, you're not great with time. You're going to be late. <laughs> she <laughs> she keeps me running on time um, or is worried about me being late, which is interesting. 
Um, I think one thing about laying out the schedule in advance for kids is that you get to see it, which then allows, it allows me when I see that, that I can be intentional, like, whoa, we're going to go to the children's museum and then we're going to go to this restaurant with a play place. That's, that's going to be a lot of overstimulation. Like maybe I need to switch this up or, um, making sure that I'm building in time for something sensory. If we're going to watch a movie all morning and then do something that requires sitting, maybe that's going to be, my kids need some stimulation. So it allows me to kind of intentionally look at that schedule. But I also think it keeps me running on time a little bit uh, to be able to look through that and see what they need and then building in time for those transitions. Because a lot of times we as parents get stuck with our with our timing, because we have not built in the time to share power with our kids, right? To give them a voice in what's happening. Because it's inevitable that when you have to stop doing something fun, you're not going to want to. And so, so often I have been guilty of being like, well, we just don't have time for you to be disappointed. So let's just go. We got to go or we're going to be late. And I'm setting myself up for failure when I do that. I, I basically have set the stage for everyone to fail so um, if I'm able to think about it intentionally, I can build in extra time in order for us all to make compromises and set all of us up for success. I mean, why wouldn't I want to do that? So I, I think just for speaking from somebody who despises schedules and despises the structure throughout the day, like I, my counselor earlier in the week was like, uh, just made the comment, hey, listen, I know you don't like to be hemmed in by stuff, but like you have five other people in your life that <laughs> like need to know what to expect from you. And um, so, so I think one thought for those of us who are in that boat where you hear all the talk of like schedules and note cards and stuff and, and your eyes start to glaze over and you think mm-hmm. like this parenting thing is not for me. If this is what this is, this is not for me. I think, you know, one, sometimes we just have to suck it up if we have kids that need it, right? So if you're not a schedule person and you have a kid who needs it, then get over yourself and make a schedule. Two, you might be a hyper scheduler and might have a kid who's stressed out by seeing, I mean, like I would be stressed out by seeing, God, my whole day is mapped out down to the minute. Like that would make me feel panicky and I would start losing it during the day being like, oh, I can't play for five more minutes because we got to get on next to our, our next thing. So I think us knowing each other, knowing ourselves, knowing our kids, it, it gives you the best starting place. And so none of this, we're, we're not sharing any of this today as prescriptive. This is what good parents do is create these. In, in Jesse's family, this is the dynamic that they have needed, like based on their combination of personalities and needs and ton of same with y'all's family. For us, I would say we, we are, our, our kids, we don't have any that, that need the, the, fine detail so much. Um, they need bigger picture stuff. So we might have what we're having for meals. Uh, we do go ahead and write that out because breakfast can just be Lord of the flies at our house. If we don't kind of map out and then you get to, you know, grocery store on Monday. And then by Wednesday, you're like, okay, so our cereal for the next two weeks is just already gone. (laughs) Like everyone's had it for three meals in a row and snacks. Um, and so we'll kind of map out food because it's one thing that helps, that helps our kids to kind of regulate. And then we map out kind of bigger picture. Hey, here's, here's the day we're going to go do this fun thing. And we have this kind of responsibility that's going to be taken care of. And so we might share that with them before bed or when we get up in the morning, Hey, let's get going because here's 
two, three things we're going to do. And so we got, we just kind of know to be able to say, Hey, look, we're going to go, you know, swim at the so-and-so's house today. It's going to be awesome. The, just before we do that, we've got to knock this out. So why don't we do this real quick? And that, that usually helps the, helps the train to get rolling for us. Uh, for others, you might hear that and be like, well, Mikey would flip out if I said that. Well, then don't say that to your kids. Like, right. <laughs> so right. I think that's one of the biggest lessons that we're trying to convey today is, uh, Three-fourths to 90% of this battle is just knowing, just mm-hmm. knowing what your people need, which, which can't happen outside of relationships. So really, you know, as, as it always does, like all of this boils down to uh, our connections and our ability to, um, to really be present with our kids, with our, our you know, parenting partners, our, our people who are on our team and know what everybody needs um, so that you can meet those needs collectively together. Yeah, I think that's so yeah. true. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, JD. I mean, you said a couple of things that I think are worth noting. I mean, so for example, at our family, we don't schedule meals. That isn't something that is needed at our house to sort of make our large family flow. You would think we would. There's so many people that live here that that would be something we have to do. But yeah. that isn't something that I have found to be helpful. So I have opted to not spend my energy working towards that. So I think some of it is about sort of acknowledging that we only have a limited amount of time and energy to give out in some of these areas. So spend it where it's needed. Right, right, right. And and that might be counter to what you're naturally wired to do. So it might take some intentionality, you know, specifically with different kids or as an entire family. Um, I mean, we still have some of our older kids that, you know, live with us that are young adults and they still touch base every night before we're settling in and asking kind of what's coming up the next couple of days. And so I just know to expect that touch base and I'm emotionally sort of ready. Like when that kid comes and says, Hey, what's going on tomorrow? Is there anything coming up in the next couple of weeks? you know, every single night that I'm ready to sort of answer that question and honor and respect that that's them meeting their needs so they can go to sleep. That's right. That's right. And then thinking about, oh my, you know, kind of that problem. It's about problem solving, really. Like where are the pain points and how can I think it might be a need for some structure. There might be a need for some communication or routine or ritual here. And so to your point, JD, we don't do meals. I don't schedule the whole week, but we do have like the same, we do the same thing every Friday night. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. actually, we go get food from a restaurant that one of our kids doesn't like and doesn't eat that food. We get them something else or do something different. But probably Wednesday of every week, this one kid says, are y'all going to do Friday night dinner? And it's the kid that is also the one carrying that schedule around. Like it's, you know, they might lean towards having a little bit of anxiety. So my point is I'm just paying attention to there is a, this particular child is the one who touches base and reminds me of what's coming in a few days and asks if we're doing Friday night dinner and holds the schedule. So those are my parenting cues this kid probably could use a little bit more communication around structure and scheduling. Which by the way, we're framing this as high structure, but what I hear you saying, Tana, is so nurturing because you checking in with this kid is saying, I see you, I see your needs. You are safe here in this relationship and you will always get what you need, which is high nurture. So I think it's a win-win that way. And I'm laughing because... 
Um, I think even just within all three of our personalities, Tana, JD, and myself, I mean, obviously we're also working to get what we need. I mean, JD and I are probably on two ends of the spectrum, not liking to be hemmed in. (laughs) And then I was just telling Tana this week, I, I grew up with kind of like a do whatever you want kind of, you it was not very structured in my upbringing and, um, and, and I loved my childhood, but it, I, I find myself reaching for structure in my adulthood because I like things to be predictable. And I have to wonder, is that a result of growing up with not very much structure? Um, and so I think a lot of what I do naturally, it's mostly for myself. And it happens to benefit one of my more anxious children. Um, it doesn't really stress out my my loosey goosey, you know, free with the wind um, child, but it, I know that she doesn't need that type of um, support necessarily. So she just kind of rolls along with us. Yeah, JD, you said something else that I thought, man, that that's really good because we, we talk a bit with when you've got kiddos that might not be as flexible. Mm-hmm. Then, as a parent, that means we need to be more flexible. So again, I think there is this interesting idea of how actually structure and predictability, you know, fairly predictable. It, it, again, it doesn't even have to be schedules. Like your relationship can be predictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your presence can be predictable. Yes. Your responses yeah. can provide yeah. predictability. Your tone of voice can provide predictability. Your mannerisms can provide predictability. Like there are, so, we can have a whole episode on how to like how to provide predictability that's beyond routine and schedule. There's so many ways you can provide predictability to your kids. But if you've got a kid that really is you know, seems to be more rigid or not as flexible, then as a parent or caregiver, it's a great opportunity to practice flexibility for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like, what does it mean for us to be more flexible? Which, you know, I'm guessing, J.D., even just a little bit you've shared probably isn't hard for you because you would actually sort of want that spontaneous, fun change of plan, you know? So, right? I mean... Yeah. Oh, this morning we were, you know, we were just running a little bit late. And so... One of the kids is like, okay, we're doing muffins and whatever. And I was like, we're leaving the house in five minutes. Like, get a waffle. <laughs> like, we, we don't have time for muffins this morning. So we'll, you know, we'll adjust. And, and because, like, so I think because there's a, there's a schedule and the ability to flex when needed. Like, yeah. and again, we're, we are not, we are not talking about someone with a, like a hyper need for structure. This is, this is one of our kids that, you know, likes having a plan just so that they're able just to like, go do what they need to do, but they, they're able to flex. And so like, you know, we're able to flex in that moment. I, you know, what we're talking about ultimately is being able to provide like that, that predictability builds secure attachment. Right. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I, I did my adult attachment interview the other day and, um, <laughs> with, uh, with TCU getting ready for TBRI training, uh, practitioner training. And, uh, I mean, just, the unpacking of all of that was fascinating. Uh, and, and it does help me when I'm, you know, if I'm being an old man, just being grumpy about having to set something out ahead of time with our kids, it does remind me now, like, okay, 
me taking the time to die to myself a little bit and to set that stuff up to be consistent and to be predictable with our kids is going to build a more secure attachment so that when the flexibility has to happen um, due to something outside of our control, it's not going to you know, break our connection, uh, but they're going to know, okay, they're going to be able to see normally mom and dad are here, they're structured, yep. they've got, you know, they got me taken care of. We can all flex together. And it almost becomes a, a bigger trust builder to then flex together. Whereas if your constant is that we always have to flex, and I'm using air quotes because we're not flexing, we're just being disorganized or we're being um, unthoughtful about the, the week, then it, it builds in um, an unpredictability which disrupts attachment um, and you know causes all kinds of complications with that down the road. And I think that speaks to um, just this idea that we are, Uh, that providing the structure is not going to make our kids more rigid. It's going to make them more secure. Yeah. And so it's counterintuitive, but it's what we're calling investment parenting. If we're willing to make the investment in what our kids need and meeting those needs, even if it's for predictability, when we, when that's not our jam, it, it is building in the ability to be more flexible. And I, I've even seen that over the years with this child that I've provided a higher amount of structure for. She has gotten more and more flexible as the years have gone through. Yeah. And so I, I, I would say the same. I can testify to that too. That if you support that need early on and developmentally, like through the stages, then you are actually cultivating flexibility and secure attachment. So I, I ditto that for sure. Well, guys, this is uh, this has been great, and um, I, so those of you who are are needing some more resources here, I would say stay tuned to our social media. We're putting some stuff out there. Um, also, you know, this is not being sarcastic, but Google is your friend here. So if you're wondering, um, man, I need something schedule wise, and you're just stuck. Nine times out of ten, nine point nine times out of ten, somebody else has already figured it out and put something out on the internet that you can use uh, in your house. I would say if, you're, if you're, your wheels are spinning thinking, I don't even, you're opening a spreadsheet and you're like, how do I even change the cell size? I don't know. Don't even worry about that. Google what you're needing and, and see those resources that pop up. And we'll have some of that stuff linked to our social media um, throughout the week this week. But uh, for Tana Ottinger, for Jesse Ferris, I'm J.D. Wilson, and we will see you next week on Empowered to Connect podcast. 